All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Can you see it? Did you notice? Check, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! Moments You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes, the reporter here. Like, I don't, I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in and Valentine's Day. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What a Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores! Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go. Hello Canucks fans and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation brought to you by the great folks over at Zephyr Epic. Woo! You can use promo code Hockey Season, capital H, capital S, all one word, Hockey Season. That will get you $5 off your order at ZephyrEpic.com. That is Z-E-P-H-Y-R-Epic.com. C-O-M. Does COM stand for computer? Nope. Okay. Uh, Zephyr Epic is locally owned and operated out of Surrey, British Columbia. My final pack. Those folks at Zephyr Epic, clip this for them. Zephyr Epic, I'm coming out there. I'm coming back. This is my last pack. I'm coming out to Surrey again here soon. I need the Andre Kuzmenko Young Gun. Yeah, we haven't got it yet. I did the whole box and nothing. We'll open. We'll see if we get it here. Uh, Zephyr Epic, we should also mention, uh, free shipping Canada-wide on any order over $50, so be sure to go check them out Ugh. online or at their retail location, like I said, okay. in Surrey. What did you pull? Okay, when you do these, like, 
these insert cards, these cool cards. Like I've got a Dazzler card here. When you do these Dazzler cards, do it for the stars, right? Get you know, get your your Panarin, your McDavid, your. Did McKinnon. you pull a Radko Gudis? Get your boys worse, worse than that. Worse. I didn't even know of this player. Okay, let me. Okay, give give me team. We'll do a little puck okay, okay. of our own. Dallas Stars. Okay. Dallas Stars player. He's a center. He's six foot three. I'm gonna guess Swedish. I, I've never heard of this player in my life. Uh, why is he getting an insert? Is it Essel Lindell? No, no, no. You've he's never a, heard he's of this a defenseman, player. I think. Defense. You said he was a center. Yeah, no, isn't Lindell a center uh, defenseman? No, I thought no, Lindell I was a forward. <laughs> no, anyway, he's a defenseman. Frederick Karlstrom gets his <laughs> own Dazzlers hell? card. I've who never heard of that guy either. I'm sorry, but who the hell is that? I think it's a pink one too. I think that's a good insert. Um, but that's our, that's the last pack we got. Zephyr Epic, I'm coming. I'm so coming usually we get better cards than that. If you want to get your own, Most go to time. Zephyr Epic. That is Z-E-P-H-Y-R, epic.com. Quickly, I wanted to get this in. Happy birthday to regular listener and commenter of the show, Vincent Jericho, yes. who's turning 63 today and Vince. said he would like to see the Canucks win soon. Happy birthday to Vincent. Vincent, thanks so much for the support. I saw you talking about the prospect reports over at Canucks Army. We appreciate it. Uh, 63, that's all I could ask for. If I get to 63, I'd be happy. That's right. It's all free money now. Still be golfing though at that age. Yeah, it's all free money after 63, that's right. baby. That's right. Congrats. So happy, happy birthday, birthday again yeah. uh, to Vincent. Thanks for listening to the show. We appreciate your regular support. Can okay. I get into something? Last, yeah, let's so go. Last night I went to a comedy show to support a friend. Uh, not even a friend. Support a friend's sister who was doing comedy. I think she was pretty good. Um, the rest of them, definitely. Uh, there was a lot of friends and family in attendance. Well, be nice. I know it was. No, it was. It was early, and there was. I just. I'm not a comedian. I don't know how to do stand up comedy. But it, the one thing I noticed was like, hey, you got to be able to flow the jokes into the other around them out and tie them together. You can't go up and talk, 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 and be like, uh, and also, and then just like completely switch. Yeah, that's like I think that's the art form of stand up comedy is like blending it all together and then like getting something that you pulled back from a first joke into your third. Like, yes. I feel like that's yes. that's the part that I you like want, about it. You it's want like a puzzle to, coming together. Yes, you want to you you don't want to be you don't want it to be known that hey here's my joke yes. I'm going to tell you this joke yeah you, yeah. you want it to be a flowing kind of we're chatting we're talking and you know I've seen really good stand up mm-hmm. comedians. When you see bad ones, yeah. But you know what? Here's the thing. Listen, is all those starts, good yeah, they all stand-up comedians, I, I don't know how much you follow stand-up comedy and stuff, but like, I was reading Sebastian Maniscalco. You know who that is, right? Sure. Yep. Stand-up comedian, big guy. Um, I was reading his autobiography, and he talked about when you're starting out, just how bad everybody is and how hard it is, right? Like Sam Morell, for example. I went and saw him at the Vogue Theater. He says the same thing, like, you, you suck when you start, and the only way to get better is by performing in front of people. So if you're a stand-up yeah, comic sure. out there, or if you're one that Faber saw last night that I, he's listen, shitting on... I'm not, no, I didn't say anything bad. You just swore on the show. You're not allowed to do that. Oh, okay. um, I'm not talking... I'm just saying it. All I, I didn't say they're bad. I just said they weren't good. But they're trying, and I they're know, going to get better. They have to, they have I, to be I bad to that. start. I respect that. Nobody's, sure. nobody's great when they start stand-up comedy. I'm on the... Uh, I see someone's going off about the taurine here. I'm on the Skittles again. Although, have you seen Dave Chappelle at, like, 14, making his, like, stand-up comedy debut? Those he people are different, man. Those people are, are you know, yeah. like... Some comedians just have it. They're Sam Morell like, has a joke. I think hasn't Seth Rogen... He was doing it as, like, yeah, a teenager yeah. here in Vancouver, yeah. Sam Morell has a joke where he's talking about... Uh, Dave Chappelle getting canceled. He's like, I don't think he was canceled. He's like, if Dave Chappelle was canceled, you see him performing here at the venue he was performing oh, at. Damn. That was a good joke. That's that was a, a really, really good joke. Good. These Skittles, like, this energy drink here. Yeah. You know when you get uh, when you're eating like when you're eating Skittles. Yeah. And there's a one point where you haven't chewed all the Skittles so much yet, but they're they're a little bit softer, and then you do get your first good bite of like a full mouthful of Skittles. That's what every drink. This thing, I need a damn sponsorship from these C4 people here. I would sell the hell out of these things. I probably already do. Lisa in the chat said, Bert Kreischer is hilarious too. Lisa, we just yes, did Lisa. a Patreon moments ago. Is it posted yet, Chris? It's posted, yep. It's posted, just got posted. We just did a Patreon moments ago, because I'm back in person with Faber here today, mm-hmm. uh, where we talked about Bert Kreischer, and we actually gave you a shout-out as well, Lisa. We knew that you uh, you like Bert Kreischer, yeah. so we did that. Lisa thought that I would like Bert. 
Speaking of Bert. No, I'm just kidding. No, no. <laughs> All right. Let's get into it. Uh, yeah. I just, we have a couple topics to get to, but we also have some news and notes. So, Can, can, can we start with this? Can we start with Alex Galchenyuk in okay. Arizona? Yeah. I was going to say that I, for I, I haven't you read the have outline as I normally it. do. I, I haven't read the outline, but Alex Galchenyuk signed 12 days ago by the Arizona Coyotes on a one-year deal. Yep. He's released today. Or, excuse me, not released. They have to terminate his contract. He's put on waivers for purpose of a buyout. Uh, or buyout. For contract termination. The NHLPA says they're investigating it. We don't know much about the story right now. It is very bizarre. There was a report, I think it was from Wyshynski, uh over at ESPN, okay. that the Coyotes found something out or something about Galchenyuk that they weren't aware of before when the contract was signed. I'm going to pull it up so that I actually get the verbiage exactly right. Sure. But it's really weird. And you look at Alex Galchenyuk, third round, or excuse me, third overall pick yeah. in the 2012 draft. Guy scored 30 goals once, like a long time ago, with the Montreal Canadiens. He was yeah. once a top prospect. And remember, when he was getting traded, a lot of teams that, that traded for him thought, we're going to be the ones that get him back on track, right? right. Like, was it wasn't it Galchenyuk that the Leafs reporters were all like, how the Toronto Maple Leafs rebuilt Alex Galchenyuk yeah, after two games so. or something like that? Yeah, he got into twenty six games with them, uh, as well as the Marlies. That's where I remember seeing him play with the Marlies. But uh, yeah, bounced between uh, Arizona a couple times, Pittsburgh, Minnesota. Yeah, the players really bounced around. Hasn't really found that fit. And uh, had a hell of a season in the OHL before he got drafted there. Sixty one points in thirty three games. So nice little. Draft year before he, yeah, he jumped right into the uh, NHL. He's had some good. He had a good run of seasons. It's just the last few years he's really been bouncing around a lot. I think so. so it's not like he's had a he, he's had a solid NHL career, six hundred and fifty plus games. So like good for him. But yeah, you're right. Third overall pick, right? So so a lot. There. An NHL source tells ESPN that the Coyotes had discovered an off ice situation impacting Galchenyuk that was previously unknown to the team. Look, we're not going to speculate. We're definitely not going to try and speculate about this. Sure. It is a very interesting conversation and one that we're going to be following kind of closely because, look, it's the middle of July. There's not much to pay attention to. Yeah, I'm very curious story. what comes of this, especially with the fact that the NHLPA is investigating. You wonder. You, you, you wonder. We're not going to speculate too much, but it is something to keep an eye on. Final thing on Galchenyuk that I wanted to talk about Guy has never spent more than two consecutive teams with any of these teams that have gone out and acquired him. The team that he spent the most time with, aside from Montreal, is the Arizona Coyotes. Yep. Spent two seasons with them, non-consecutive. Right. This was said to be his third season back in the desert with Arizona. Well, there's always the wonder of, uh, he can't play center, right? He could never figure out how to be a center. And that was mm -hmm. what, I think that's what you're talking about with Toronto. They're like, no, we figured it out. We're going to play yep. him at center. And it's like... Hey, he's, he's more of a winger. He's not he's not small either. He's six foot one, but I think eight organizations since twenty seventeen, eighteen. Yeah. And I mean last year spent most of the season in the AHL, so it's not like he's at exactly. the level of really being a full time NHL or anytime soon. So I don't know. Eleven don't know games where he him. went pointless with the Colorado Avalanche at the yeah. NHL level last year. Right. All right. Well, uh that's uh that's your news and notes for around the league. You're good. Gotcha. Yep. You got it all. I got up. nothing else on okay. that. Let's uh, Rick Talkett's been uh, running around every other podcast, dipping and dodging us, though, unfortunately. Yeah, because he knows what I'm going to say about that video of him in the 80s, the 90s, breaking the spaghetti in yeah, half. I was going to ask you about that broken Holy spaghetti cow. thing. I, you know what? I, I wasn't going to go to training camp, and now I am. Okay. Just to talk to Rick Talkett about Listen, that. Listen, he's grown up, too, and changed. I, I've snapped a spaghetti like every once in my lifetime I have, well, for sure. I'm not, not surprised now, I'm if Phil DiGiuseppe asks for a trade request after seeing Ooh. that video. Yeah, that's a good point there. Anyways, Rick Talkie, he wants uh, Vasily Podkolzin to let it hang. He said he wants Podsy to let it hang. What were some of the takeaways that you had from uh, he went on Halford and Bruff yeah. and then um, Vancast? I don't know podcast names. I just know who hosts them. Harmon and Far End. Yeah, Harmon and Far End show there. Well, everybody's always swapping around. We're the we're the gold standard. We keep the same hosts, right. same everything. Are years we the longest tenured in like the regular of same hosts? I don't think so. Well, t it depends because if you're keeping like just the same hosts, Halford and Bruff went ten forty to six fifty. Pucks on nets changed with a rash coming in. Although Halford and Bruff, it's C4's not their fault. Changed a little bit, but they yep. C four is the longest running. I, I didn't podcast. ask that. I didn't ask. I but said I same, same hosts, same. I guess we changed formats, but same. We're still a podcast. Yeah, we're still a podcast, all that sort of stuff. Are we Are we the longest tenured? We have to be at this point. With the same host, maybe. In the market? Maybe. 
Rinkwad, I think, is three years. We're longer than that. Rinkwad, we're longer than. Yeah. Well, I think we're good. I think we're the number one. Well, yeah, because Rinkwad with Wadden and J-Pat. Shout out them. Yeah. How, um, they might have been before. No, they weren't before us. Honestly. 1040 was still on when we started together. Yes, you're right about that. That's for sure. So Rinkwide was Wadden and uh, our good pal JD, JD Burke. Yep. Every Canucks fan's favorite media member. Yep, you're good pal JD Burke. Yeah. Yep. Okay, where where do we go from here? I'm just kidding. JD's a pal of mine as well. Had a good time with him down at the draft. Um, I don't know. Any takeaways from some of the stuff? I, I think it was interesting oh, here to talk, yes. talk about Pod Colson, Huglander, and the young guys getting an opportunity. Mm-hmm. A, lot of, uh, a lot of great questions. From Halbro, who just cut me from the show tomorrow, by the way. So thank you for that. I get my whole Saturday or Friday to myself now. So thank you, uh, Adolf. I was look, uh, hey, I, I, this is no disrespect to you, but they're national this week. Like yeah. they're they're doing a national you show. Know, I was I, like, are you going to go on a national show and talk about Lucas Forsell? That's what they wanted. They wanted the top ten prospects, <laughs> but like, they cut me for guess who? Tell me, Green, iMac Greener. No way. Yeah, that's who I got cut for. Well, of course they're going to take him over you. Really? Okay. Although, i got to say, no, that's a fair, fair we one. like Travis Green, but what the hell does he know about Lucas Forcell? Yeah. Not much. Well, uh, we'll, get, uh, we'll get to some. Back Lucas to this interview. For- Lucas Forcell will be talked about later. Yeah, sorry, the interview. Back you to wrote this interview. four articles about it. What do you got? Back to this interview with Rick Tockett uh, talking about Vasily Pykoles and Niels Huglander. One takeaway uh, that I think we'll get to more later is conversation to be had is about penalty killing. Wants the Canucks mm. stars to penalty kill us. Also, let's get him on the show. What are we dragging our feet along for? Let's get talking on the show. He's doing a media tour. He lives two floors above two you. Two floors up. You yeah. should just come downstairs and, you know, anyways. We can do it on the rooftop. Nice do it on the rooftop. rooftop. up There, yeah, there sure. you go. I, I'd like that. I'll put in a request. I will. Yeah. If you want Let's to, do, we can do, do it. it. Do it right now while I talk about this. Um, so, wants those guys killing penalties. Look, you get Alvin. You talk- Alvin on the roof would be great. That's right. Alvin on the roof. That could be a segment. Dude, that should be a weekly thing. Talk- Band name. Talk it on top. Talk it on top. Oh, my we'll go gosh. Go top of the building and... Rick will join us every day. Oh, I, I hope he's listening. We'll run that by Canucks PR. I'm sure they'll love that idea. <laughs> Talk it on sure top. Oh, yeah, and we're also going to get a sponsor for it. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, okay. Um, Elias Patterson, JT Miller, Quinn yeah. Hughes. Yeah. Rick Tockett would like those guys to penalty kill less. The additions of Teddy Bluger, Carson Soucy, Ian Cole, the first thing we mentioned, on top of being capable five-on-five defenders, also very good penalty killers. For sure. All three of those guys area that the Canucks definitely need help in. I don't think that Elias Peterson, JT Miller, and Quinn Hughes were problems for the Canucks penalty kill. In fact, I would argue that those were their three best penalty killers last season. If you can get Quinn, Quinn Hughes off the penalty kill, if you can get Elias Peterson off the penalty kill, JT Miller, if you can get those guys off the penalty kill and your penalty kill improves, like I don't even, I don't even want to say, oh, it doesn't get hurt. Because if it got hurt, that's a real problem for this team because yeah. it was historically bad with them on it. If you can even just trim those guys' minutes down, which is, I think, what talk it really meant, if you can trim those guys' minutes down, I don't think anybody's complaining because what did we... Com- what I don't want to say complain, but what did we talk about a lot down the stretch of the season was how much Quinn Hughes and Elias Patterson, namely, were playing down the stretch. And look, those guys are killing penalties on the first power play unit. They're playing a ton of minutes at 5-on-5. Five five. That is a lot, especially over the course of an 82-game season. You do not want these guys to break down if you're the Vancouver Canucks. A lot of people had problems with what Tockett said. I had zero issue with it. You should want those guys penalty killing less. If it's not going to hurt your historically bad penalty kill, who cares? It's the worst. It's the, not only the worst over the last two years, each of the last two seasons they've yeah. been the worst team in the league for penalty kill. So any changes is welcomed, right? Like, why wouldn't it be? I think... Here's the thing with with Pedersen and Miller killing penalties. What are your? Here's my thought on it. I'm fine with them being the first over the boards to go out when you kill. I'm fine with that, but I think it should be like okay. But as soon as that puck gets out of the zone, switch them, right? Because think about all the offense that they brought last year. They were all doing that coming, being the first guys out there, first two forwards out there. They were scoring all those goals. I'm fine with them being the first two out to kill penalties for you. But then you also have the risk of maybe they're going to be stuck out there the whole time then too. And that's a lot to ask of them in that spot. So that's where I'm thinking, is it the best to put them as the first two guys over the boards? Or would you like to see two other forwards? Like, what are your thoughts? Like, I'm fine with them being the first two. But it's got to be like, okay, but as soon as that puck gets cleared or as soon as you're able to kind of come down and get a little two-on-two opportunity. Because think about why it works so well with JT Miller and Elias Pettersson. They're not going against two defensemen when they're in a two-on-two situation. If they're able to get the puck up ice with possession, 
They're going against most of the time, 90% of the time, I would say, a defenseman and a forward. Like, that's a great two-on-two. You're taking that two-on-two every single day of the week, twice on Sundays, with Pedersen and Miller coming down. So that's where I can see them having the success. And if they're matching up against other teams' top power play, and it's like I said, you're getting a forward and a defenseman when they're coming to defend you on a two-on-two. I would take that. But at the same time, I don't want them out there every single time, two minutes straight, killing the penalty. So I'm I'm open to them being the two that are first out there, but I'm curious what you think. Is Do you think that they shouldn't be the first two out? Like, ever, as soon as that penalty kill starts, who are the two guys you want out there? Is Teddy Bluger the guy now? Like, now that he's on this roster, is he the guy? Because they, they sort of tried this with Curtis Lazard. Didn't really work. Bluger, I think you feel a little bit more confident about, right? You have to. You have to feel a little more confident about Teddy Bluger than you did Curtis Lazar, mm. right? Like, look, those guys signed different contract figures, right? Like, Teddy Bluger. And the other thing that Talkit hinted at that I found really interesting... Was he hinted at those guys having better offers elsewhere and choosing to come to Vancouver? Sure. Now, I haven't confirmed this with anybody. I don't know if that's true. But let's take Talkit at his word, right? The hell is that? It's a wasp. Okay. Um, what was I even saying? I, I you take Talkit at his word uh, Yeah, for the that, players coming in. Those guys want to be here. Mm-hmm. And look, if Teddy Bluger could have got more elsewhere, I don't know if that's who he specifically meant. I assume it was Carson Susie because we were hearing stuff about Susie, you know, maybe getting a 3 by 4 somewhere elsewhere in the National Hockey League. I don't know if Teddy Bluger is the guy. Like, I'm not comfortable making these sweeping statements right now. I do know that, in principle, having Elias Pettersson and JC Miller not be your top penalty killers is a good thing. Here's what I'm saying, though. They are. They shouldn't be the top penalty killers. They yeah, should just yeah. be the first. Okay. Because I think when you get a face-off situation, yeah, you got about a 50-50% chance to gain possession. I like your. I actually do like your and thought process. And then I process, think from there you got about a 50-50% yep. chance of being able to get a two-on-two situation. Yeah. Not yeah, even yeah. that. Like less than that. So you're looking at like every face-off. I'd say there's about a, you know, 20% chance you can start your penalty kill. With like a two-on-two opportunity, or even like a two-on-three, just anything. Get the puck in deep and, and chase it down, waste some time. I just don't think the Canucks have that other player that you can feel so confident about saying, like, he needs to be first out. No, you're right. I think there was somebody who said this in the chat. Uh, Karan said it. PK should always start with McKayev and Petey. I can see that happening, too. I yeah. Because McKay- if you do talk about, like, a penalty-killing guy, mm-hmm. especially out of the forward group, I think McKayev is probably the only player that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I, I can see that being true. A lot I just, of I just forgetting about McKeever. Right, feels. but those amount of penalty, those amount of shorthanded goals that Miller and Pedersen scored together as a duo, like that was unreal last year. So you have to wonder if that was just a flash in the pan and some good luck and some puck luck going your way, or if that's something that can actually be sustainable. I think when the number's that high, it's sustainable. Right, and Dalvir says McKeever Bluger first out. In my opinion, sure. I Dalvier. mean, it doesn't matter. That's right? the thing, right? So like that's a pairing I can see get some time together too. And then you're, you're probably going to need a third one because I don't think you want to use a lot of minutes there with with Pedersen and Miller. But in my eyes, the def- like it's not really about taking away minutes from Miller and Pedersen because I think they can do things on a penalty kill that you like so much. Here, I would take it away from Quinn Hughes. Quinn Hughes would be the player I would take away for from getting penalty kill time. Don't don't make sure. him do that. He's already got such a good big workload on his back. Mm-hmm. Don't add that little thing that it's like yes he can do it. But stop asking Quinn Hughes to just do things that he can just he, he like I know he's gonna step up to the to the plate on a lot of different things and be able to, to do it. You know, he's able to go out play with Noah Juleson as his partner and do it and look like an NHL pairing. It's time to start like putting Quinn Hughes in good situations, man. Like give him a good partner here soon. Get him in spots where he's not killing penalties anymore. Like they have enough bodies. He shouldn't be one of the top four penalty killing defensemen on this team in my eyes. If you have like Say say Ian Cole, apparently he takes a lot of penalties. Say he takes a penalty. And you slide Hughes in, okay. Then give Hughes like on the second sure. second defense point going. That I can all get down with, but I, I just you gotta start putting Quinn Hughes, who's such a talented player, you gotta start putting him in better situations. And that's like a that's that starts with his partner at five on five. That starts with taking away some penalty kill time. P- start putting him in good. He's earned that. He's earned enough to be able to put into good situations. And I know he wants to contribute to the team a lot. I just think this is where he can contribute to the team by actually, like, the rare occasion where Quinn Hughes contributes to the team by not being on the ice is because he's getting ready, more prepared for what he's going to do when he's actually back on the ice. Don't worry about the penalty kill time. 
That's what I, I agree with you. Him. I wholeheartedly agree with you. Okay, uh, I, back to I, what this conversation. Sorry, but with yeah. Miller and Pedersen, yeah, I'd keep I'd keep them out there killing penalties. I don't have. I don't think they're gonna. But I don't you'd think want the ice time down a bit, No, sure. I wouldn't have them being the leading two minutes guys, but I I think you can be the first one out, and I think you can clear or go down, get your chance, and change right off the bat. Okay, I think you can get the way. I'll concede that. that. Um, keep going here. News notes. I got a whole bunch of things. Well, here the other through. thing we we kind of I kind of steered us away from it inadvertently, okay. but. Pod Colson and Hoglander. Word. word of the day. He wants those guys to be enthusiastic was the word that Rick Tockett used when he talked about it. And he spoke about the forecheck in particular. Ooh. What did we see Niels Hoglander do in the AHL playoffs? Forecheck. Yeah, like a four demon. Forecheck hard, like a demon. And Tockett saw, Tockett saw some of those games. And with Pod Colson, wants him to be a little less, uh, you know, um, Careful. Wants, yeah, wants to let it hang. Yeah, be a little more reckless, right? And this is something we've been talking about since Pod Colson's KHL days, where it was like, if you make a mistake, you're done. Here's what I like, though. This fourth line that you can set up, if Pod Colson and Huglander are the wingers, say, mm-hmm. let's say, who's the center? Niels Amon? Sure. Okay. So my question is, will Rick Tockett be okay with a fourth line that's full of just 22-year-olds? Here's the thing. Normally, I don't think so. I don't think a coach would feel very comfortable about a fourth line with straight 22-year-olds. But look at these type of players these 22-year-olds are. Yeah, Huglander's a little bit flashier than the other two, but Niels Amon, Vasily Podkolzin, very smart with how they are on the ice and their awareness of where to be and kind of just simplify the game. Like, I think both of those two are good at that. So I can see, like, that would be an exciting fourth line for me. It's going to be Huglander, Amon, Podkolzin. I think you're you're giving Amon a chance to find some offense there because really Pod Colson and, and Huglander can bring you a lot of offense, especially in a fourth line matchup role, where they're matching up against other teams' fourth lines. You're going to be able to get a, you're going to be able to get some offense out of that uh, trio there. I just wonder if the coach would be happy with it because I just it, I find it tough to be looking at your fourth line, seeing three 22 year olds, and, and a coach that kind of really talks about structure and, and wants the guys to play hard. Like I. I don't know, because I can see traits in those three players' games that Tockett would like on his fourth line, but I also look and I see how much Tockett liked Phil DiGiuseppe, and I think, okay, is is he going to give a fourth-line role to Niels Huglander over Phil DiGiuseppe? I don't know about that. I'm a little, I'd be a little shaky to be confident in feeling about that. Like, I, I think that PDG, like, Tockett likes the way he plays, and I think there's going to be some other players in the mix there to get some time. Like, the, the forward group really is going to be a lot of competition at training camp. But is a fourth line of 22-year-olds something you can see Tockett going with or no? This is what I want to have him on the show, first of all. Cause Take him to the top. This this is what I want to – this is my specific question for Rick Tockett is I love what he – like, look, I, I've, I've said from the start I've been a fan of Rick Tockett and what he says. Mm-hmm. An example that I would kind of point to is every coach yeah. could say something like this, but almost every coach, when a guy makes too many mistakes, benches a player. So if you want Pod Colson to hang loose and do all this, you know, right. this hippie surfer stuff, yeah. right? If you want him to do this, where's the line for an NHL coach? Specifically, Rick Tocchet. Like, this is why I want to talk to him. Like, like, how do you kind of manage that where you're saying, okay, I want you to play reckless, but not too reckless? Like, where's the line, right? How many mistakes does it take for you to say, okay, got to pull you in a little bit? And, and, then, and those two players would be so different with Hugliner and Pod Colson. And how do you... opposites on. Absolutely. And how do you present that to the player so that you don't rock his confidence? And right. hey, I don't have the answer. This is something you ask an NHL coach because they should have the answer, Right. I don't have the answer. I, I don't have the answer, but it's something I'm very curious about is how do you kind of walk that line and where is the line when you're managing a young player? Yeah, and I, I'm trying to think like, okay, the fourth line, here's the other thing. Like I, I kind of, this name gets so f- like forgotten about a lot, I feel like in my mind anyways when I'm talking about it, but it really shouldn't be. Like Dakota Joshua is a lock on the fourth line. Yeah, yeah. Right, like he's, he's playing over Huglander and Pod Colson. After what he just did for Tockett. I mean, Tockett thinks this guy can score 20, he said. Tuck's got to move out a winger. Oh, 100%. That's what it comes down to. I think like, 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 I'm doing a piece series for mm-hmm. Canucks Army right now where I look at the depth at each position. Canucks have great depth at the wing, but it's turned into a log jam. Well, let's talk. I mean, really, like, yeah. We're talking about Hugland. Uh, let me just run off the list here. Sure, go ahead. Brock Besser, Andre Kuzmenko, Connor Garland, Anthony Bavillier, 
Niels Huglander, Vasily Podkolzin, Dakota Joshua, Philip DiGiuseppe. It's weird saying his name, Philip. I read that wrong. Uh, so that's what? I just got to eight right there. And there's going to be some players in the mix, I mean, from camp as well. But I think with those eight, do we see Tanner Pearson come back? Because yeah, he really would throw a huge wrench in that equation. Because right now, you're looking at it and you're like, okay, like I can, I can shape down my eight. I got my eight wingers. That's what I need at the NHL level. If Tanner Pearson is healthy, which I'm still – I'm going to be very surprised if on day one of training camp he's on the ice and he's skating and he's ready to play in games. I'm, I, I want the guy to be healthy. I'm still just going to be very surprised. That, there's a lot of surgeries that have happened to this guy. And I know it's 2023 and doctors are good, surgeons are good. <laughs> what, are you, what are you laughing about? Well, you like 2023 was the year that doctors and surgeons turned it around. Yeah, they've been uh, all the uh, it's uh, season 26 of Grey's Anatomy. They've figured it out now. They know what they're doing. These but what you're really trying to say is when we last spoke, we specifically last spoke to Tanner Pearson. He was asked about, oh, training camp, you know, recovery. And he kind of laughed at it and was like, I just want to get my hand back. Yeah. Like, I just want to be a dad. Yeah, that's my main focus. And here's the other thing. Throw all the other forwards in. Is Aiden McDonough make a case? Is Lyons Carlson making a case? Right? Like, Archie Baines, I think, is going to put up a strong fight as well. Like, the fourth line is going to be a wild little battle. And if they don't end up moving a player out and Tanner Pearson is healthy, they've got some cap problems and they've got some problems with, like, who's actually playing NHL games and which player doesn't. So that brings us to a player that I think is still, listen, there's value around the league and specifically after signing this. So Niels Huglander signed a two-year contract with a 1.1 million AAV behind it. I thought it was an excellent contract. I don't think we've talked since uh, – we haven't had a show since this happened. Uh, so, Niels Hugliner, two-year deal. Uh, let's get his career stats up here uh, there, Aaron. I believe there should be a graphic for that in there. Uh, but the contract, completely variable in the AHL. Niels Hugliner requires waivers now. So, you have to be careful with that. He's going to have to be around the NHL team. What are your thoughts on the deal? And uh, what are your thoughts on him actually being in the NHL on night one of the season? Like, what, do you, what percentage would you say? But I'll let you talk about that in the deal. It's. I don't want to talk out of my rear. Okay. Because we just talked about the logjam with all those guys. Uh-huh. And so I think Corey pointed out that you may have forgotten Mikheyev in that conversation. Yeah, you're right. Forgot Mikheyev. He is. That's nine wingers that's that are healthy nine. that I'm confident are healthy on day one. And Time Pearson makes 10. Yeah. <laughs> I don't see Niels Huglander. Too many damn wingers, man. Like, he's he he's probably going to make the roster because Dakota you would Joshua think... could play fourth line center. Yes. Okay, so I would I would put that into the equation a little bit. I think he could play fourth line center. I okay. My point is, is I don't think we're going to see him get sent down. Niels Huglander, that is. I don't think we're going to see him get sent down because I think he would get claimed off waivers. I think he makes the roster. I don't think he's in the lineup, especially on an every night, night basis, mm. right? Like. That's probably not going to happen. I don't know. I I don't know. Like I don't know which direction to take this. You know because... what I was thinking with Hugliner, and I've had this thought for a while. For a while here, and before last season, when we talked about Hugliner, how much did we talk about him needing the right fit? His style needed to fit. Did it fit with Patterson? Did it fit with JT Miller? Did it fit with Bo Horvat? He needed to have the right fit, right? And I think that's the part that you hope has changed in his game. Has his game changed enough now, and has it grown enough in the AHL and all this development that he's done in the past year to make you feel a little bit more confident about him? And it doesn't need to be the perfect fit anymore in a line. Can he contribute in a fourth-line role? That's the question, because if he can, Niels Hugliner will be on the fourth line on opening night. But if they're feeling more confident about, let's say, geez, like we're, we're just talking about wingers. Like I feel like Dakota Joshua... Phil DiGiuseppe is up there too. Vasily Podkolzin is in the mix. But then who else is like that fourth line guy now? Is Bovillier the other winger on the fourth line? That's, like, seriously, that's my it could point. Be. Like, there's some strong players on the wing with NHL experience. You, you have to think Tockett feels a little bit more confident about those guys than a guy he's never even seen play for him before. Oh, undoubtedly. Like, NHL guys are always going to get more trust from a coach. And it's for simple. Sure. Like, it, it's every, every sports league is like that. Every, every single sport is like that. If you know a guy's been there, done that. You're going to trust him more than a kid who is still learning the game, yeah. right? Still learning the defensive still side of the game. Still right. developing. You're going to trust him more. And hey, like let's be honest here. The Canucks are trying to make the playoffs, and Rick Tockett is going to be held largely responsible for if they achieve that goal or not, right? 
Yeah. Like, he's not a lame duck coach, but no. he is going to want to make the playoffs with this team, right? I, I know last year there was a lot of talk about, okay, no shortcuts, we're going to roll four lines, but toward the end of the year, we started seeing Pedersen, Hughes get a lot of ice time, and those guys, and, like, I'm not even trying to criticize Talkett when I say this, because... It's just, it's almost a trap that every coach yeah, is going to fall into. You want to roll four yeah. lines, but then when you get here, you realize, you know what, these guys can play more, mm-hmm. and if they do play more, we have a better chance of winning games. And I think that's the thing, when you play the wheels off of Pedersen and Hughes, and they don't get hurt, and their game doesn't slouch, yeah. you're, you're like, oh, like a, it's like a drug for a coach. Yeah, exactly. Like, keep playing them, keep playing them. That's and hey, a, if we coach, we'd probably fall into the same totally. thing. Totally. How, how, I mean, that's the thing that, that's the interesting thing about where a coach should be challenged, like... Okay, yes, you can have success playing the wheels off your two mm-hmm. best players who are some of the best players at their position in the NHL. Yeah, but can you figure out a way as a coach? And this is where you have to kind of look at their coaching staff and say, like, I, I have enough confidence in, in what their coaching staff can do to figure out a way to do it but not play the wheels off of these mm-hmm. guys. Just find that healthy meeting. Somebody in the chat a little bit earlier said the Sedins were much better when they were playing 18 minutes a night compared to 22. I think you saw some of that in, in the torts here, right? Like torts played the wheels off of them, mm-hmm. and it didn't look as great. Uh, that was kind of the the beginning of the downfall of their like real high points production, really. And, and I wonder what happens in a similar boat of what does Pedersen look like when he's playing? Like I, I'd still like to see Pedersen over twenty minutes every night for sure, like closer to twenty two minutes a night type of thing, depending on his special teams time. But Quinn Hughes doesn't need to be near thirty. Quinn Hughes shouldn't be over twenty six most nights. Like, 25 is a nice, I think, a good amount of time for Quinn Hughes. You're playing him, like, a third, more than a third of the time at 5-on-5, and you're playing him on more than 75% of the power play time. Like, I think you can you can figure out a little bit better to find the balance there. Um, but, it, like I said, it's like a drug. Like, once you start getting it and you're rolling, like, it's it's hard to get off that. That's for sure, playing the, the wheels off these guys. Any Anything else you want to add to Huglander there? Okay, no. good. Let's go. Uh, final thing of the news and notes. Abbotsford Canucks announced their AHL schedule. Um, just a couple of things quickly to take away. Uh, we're looking at 76 games in the Pacific Division. They're going to play all of their Pacific Division rivals a total of eight times. Four times at home, four times away. Uh, and then they're going to play against... Uh, they're going to play a total of 20 games against their Canadian opponents, facing off against Manitoba and Laval four times while taking on Calgary 12 times. Woo! A lot of games against the Calgary Wranglers, baby. 12 no games, Toronto Marlies. Six at home, six away. <laughs> no Toronto um, So yes, no Abbotsford right. no Canucks teams will be on Sportsnet. No, unfortunately. that. Yeah. TSN actually is where the Marlies are, are on. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. I believe so. Anyways. Uh, and then aside from that, there will be at least one home game on every day this week, this season. 12 Saturday games, uh, 7 Friday games, 6 Wednesday games, 5 Tuesday games, 3 Sunday games, 2 Thursday games, and 1 Monday game. So every single day, there'll be a game out there at the Abbotsford Center. So... Could be good uh, one. Good stuff out there. Nice to, to be excited about that. All right. I let's really, go. really want uh, want to have talk it on the show. Get that request in. I will. And we on can, the on the rooftop. That's what we want. We sure. want in person. Yeah. Roadcaster will set up one camera on all three of us. That'll be fun. That'll be a good one. We'll see what PR has to say about it. <laughs> let's uh let's get to your thing. You want to learn from other sports. Okay. Talk so, about this. You because you got your baseball show now. You're already clocked out of here. Uh <laughs> It's weird. It's so weird seeing you make graphics and do an outline and all these things on your other show. I didn't know you were able, capable, capable of doing any of those things. But you're able to somehow, I didn't know you were able to edit, you're able to post, you're able to do everything that I do on this show. Pretty interesting to see there's not been, it hasn't been a hiccup in your little baseball show putting out everything. And then the, the audacity that you have to send me and be like, hey, how do you like these graphics? How do you like these graphics for my other show? And they're nice graphics. I see you haven't done a uh, hecking uh, graphic for us hey, all season long. I was making graphics for the Canucks Army socials account. i never seen it for Canucks Combo. That's for damn Canucks sure. Combo, that's your job. I show Apparently. up, look pretty some days, and talk. Talent. That's what I do. Yeah, you're just talent. I'm just talent. That's just, that's what's in my contract. Jeez. Hashtag I'm avoid the grind. To, I'm supposed to be the talent. You're supposed to be the brains. That's you at Canucks Army. That's stuff. at CanucksArmy.com. Okay. Canucks Combo, Anyways. Okay, anyways. So Major League Baseball just had their All-Star game. Yes. You Did you watch it? You watched the Home Run Derby? What have you seen? Uh, I watched the Home Run Derby. I didn't watch the All-Star game, but I'll, I'll just quickly get my notes in because I know you want to go on a rant, but here's the thing. Then you can maybe use these in your little rant here about baseball. But know what I liked? So the ESPYs was last night too, right? Mm-hmm. That just happened. So it's like this is the worst time of year for sports. 
when the S that's the worst day of sports when the SBs are on. There's no sports going on. But what I did see was like MLB did a great job of stretching this All Star game out a week long. They had the prequel, they had like the celebrity game, they had the home run derby, they had the, the All Star game, then they had the SBs, and then they announced their schedule. They were able to get a full week where they are the sport in prime time in North America to look at with news. That's a really good job from the MLB. I'll say that. Like, say what you want about the sport and the All Star game and all that stuff, but they did a really good job of creating a full week's worth of news. You yeah. must love it on your show that you do a million graphics for every day. It's it is great, and, and people don't want baseball rants on this show, and I understand that. But this this is tied to hockey. Like the whole point of this is that I was watching. And this applies to a lot of different leagues. You see things in other leagues that you like and you want to see the NHL implement because they want to grow the game. Corey Anderson made a good point. No one watches the game. Totally. Yeah, I hardly watch the All-Star game. New starting pitcher every inning. It's just it's on my cup of tea, which is whatever. It's fine. Whatever. Uh, the All-Star game itself is well, fine. What can hockey take away? The point That's what Dan is, wants to hear. Dan says no baseball rants. The point is, is the Home Run Derby rakes in viewers. A lot of people watch the home run derby. Non-baseball fans, I know this because my girlfriend doesn't love baseball, mm. and her eyes were glued to the screen when the home run derby was on. And I'll tell sold you what, out Chris, the arena, forty plus thousand sold out. There. Tickets yep. are a thousand dollars at uh, T-Mobile down there. Okay, yep. so what I'm trying to say is that that is basically the MLB equivalent of the NHL All Star Skills Competition. The skills competition for the NHL brings in even less viewers than the All-Star game itself. The NHL has not found a winning formula for their All-Star week at all, and MLB is on the cusp of it. Yeah, their they old had, rules... They had some good things. Their old week, rules yeah. of, oh, whoever wins the All-Star game gets uh, home, to host the World field. Series. Yeah. Whatever. I, I And I'm glad they got rid of that, to be clear. Did that they? I didn't know they got they rid got of rid that. They got rid of that, yep. I believe How it was 2018. Now? now it's whoever has the better record, oh, as that's it should lame. be. That's lame. I don't like that. How is that lame? I think it's I think it's better to have the little All Star game. What comes? From, what do you get from the All Star game? Because apparently the AL really cared about winning this year. It's the first time they won in like what nine years? No, the NL won. Because right, the, the NL AL was on a ten game winning streak. Right, and, and that's the thing is the players care about the All Star game. It's not like the NHL where you see guys like there's no players intentionally striking out in the MLB All Star game or I'm just gonna poke one to right field yeah, like half Everybody's swing, trying. Yeah. The spin rates were all the same. The fastballs were all the same speeds. Nobody was not trying, and that's what really plagues the NHL All-Star game, but I really want to focus on... You can't do on... that in other sports, though. Baseball's the only one that you can do that without risking injury. You're right. Well, Jordan Romano got yeah, hurt. Yeah, but it's baseball. Luis Robert got Guys hurt. Guys get hurt in baseball from walking up the stairs. Like, it's it's different, but it's the only... It's a sport that has no... Yeah, yeah, physical, yeah. like intentional physical contact. Look, There's so none of that in baseball. I want to close this up. I, I don't want to keep talking about... Uh, yeah. You know, all this uh, crap with baseball. People yeah. don't want to hear it. I want I want to hurry up here. Especially Dan. Dan's not having any people. Of it. People don't like baseball. Um, and also, Dan pointed out that my, my sample size is one person. But I know more people. <laughs> 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 but what I'm trying to say, Chris, is Everybody that... Everybody I know loves it. The whole... <laughs> The Home Run Derby is massively popular, right? Like, non-baseball fans, a lot of people really like the Home Run Derby. I don't think anybody's saying that about the All-Star competition for the NHL. So how can they do this? Instead of having seven different events, like the NHL All-Star, and they're they're toying with stuff, like, let's do some stuff outside, which was cool, but still, nobody's turning the channel to the All-Star Skills Competition. Like, what if you did some sort of derby, quote-unquote, where... You have, like, moving targets, and you have to try and hit it into the target, so it's a combination of accuracy shooting and hardest shot, because that's the thing, is, like, people like those snipes. Like, people love home runs in baseball. What do people like the most in hockey? Probably the goals, especially, like, pure snipers, like Alex Ovechkin. That's what makes the highlight reels, right? Sure. So so what I'm trying to think of is, like, the number one things that, that makes highlight reels for baseball, other than great plays in the outfield, which they don't have any competitions of, it's... 10-year-old kids getting plowed in the face by 110 exit velocity piss missiles off Vladdy Jr.'s yeah, bat. Yeah, one, one, 115.8 exactly. off Exactly. Non-stop just line drives at them. That They don't focus on fielding. They don't have a little gimmick where, oh, the, and the gold glove winners of last year are in the field. Mm. Or, there's nothing like that. Nobody cares about that. The dingers. People want to see dingers. Hockey fans want to see snipes. Sure, but here's the thing. What's the best hockey event? The best hockey event going Hard right shot. Now. So could you just do 
an hour of hardest shot. The, I think you could, could it be do... the all stars. Could it be the other like the players from the AHL who can bomb it? Like I can see the the hardest shot be, not being at the level of a home run derby, but you can make that a a longer you could event. get if you could get That's like the best event moving targets right and, and think sure. of it like a dartboard well, where it's like if you hit the get, middle yeah. you get a certain amount of points if you hit the outside you get a certain amount of points and then you multiply that by the miles per hour of each shot okay so even if you're not the most accurate shooter but you have the hardest shot by a significant margin mm. you're still going to get points okay so then it's not just an accuracy shooting competition it's not just a hardest shot I think competition. you could have a full two-hour show of shooting like yes. you could if you did it it doesn't have to be i would think you can keep the hardest shot think as of, that's think fine of the passing competition sure. and stuff the best passers in the game like nobody wants to see nobody that nobody cares about that at all and, yeah. and and if you want to turn it into a spectacle like the home run derby has become for major league baseball keep in mind when they had the old out system like it wasn't always on a clock no. how it is now it wasn't as big of a hit as I, it I is like now the, i like the outs the outs was cool but it to the general audience, Chris, it wasn't as popular. Sure. We're diehard baseball about, fans. Yeah. Here's the thing about hockey, though. It's like. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. There's nothing in hockey, there's no play in hockey that is close to a home run in baseball. Home run in baseball is the perfect thing you could do every time you go out to the plate. Right there's there's nothing in like hockey you can score a goal yeah that's the best thing you can do on your shift but it's just like you can't really you can't market a goal as much as you can a home run there's just a different feel to it that's why the home run derby is successful and I think hockey needs to lean into what their best skill challenge has been and that's the hardest shot get also, the best people from around the world get it yep. like think about in golf right how much like you ever watch you ever stumble on this on TV when it's like the long drive competition. I'll watch that every damn day. Or if a clip shows up on my Instagram, I'll watch these guys absolutely smash it. So bring me like the, some guy from, you know, somewhere somewhere in like uh, Quebec somewhere who's shooting the puck 112 miles an hour. Put him out on the ice next to whoever you think has the hardest shot in the NHL right now. Watch watch Alexander Ovechkin's reaction to this 45-year-old who can shoot the puck. Like make some moments happen. I think you can do that with just the hardest shot. Like, you can make it more of a spectacle than the skills competition already is. Few people in the YouTube live chat to point out the fastest skater is good, too. So here, here's my... Comp- here's my Sure, but I don't think they go full out anymore because they're hurt. they're worried to get hurt. Yeah, like, if Connor McDavid doesn't participate, if Connor McDavid isn't going to participate, just pass on the event that year. Or make make the 
like get yourself a long stretch of ice and make them do a hundred meters. It, don't worry about turning yeah. corners and stuff. I love that. Like, do I something love like that there's idea. a lot of options you can do. Yeah, I don't just, do it so a guy can lose an edge. Just see no, who's the yeah. fastest straight Go straight. straight. Like make them race. And I, I just look at the NHL and I think I like I, I want I don't want to just crap on the league, but like how much time do you think a year in a year is being spent on developing the events for the skills comp? Mm-hmm. I feel like it's like a one hour meeting. And they're like, oh, well, we have these ideas. Like, I just don't think they're doing a good job with the All-Star game. But, yeah, like drag race skating. Hell, yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah. All right, let's uh, move on. Are you going to anything else? No, I don't want to keep talking baseball. Okay, well, we're, I think we're going to go a little bit longer today. Hopefully That's Aaron's okay. not uh, doing it. Actually, let's hear from Aaron because I know Aaron's a baseball guy. He's at the ballpark right now, actually, Big too. Braves fan. Big Braves guy. Aaron, what do you think? What can the well, NHL learn from, from being able to – because, like we said, with the week that it's yeah. been here – what can the NHL learn from from the MLB? Well, I like your idea with this straight-up straight skater, as I just said in our chat. I don't know why no one has ever thought of that idea before. That's incredible. That takes all the <laughs> danger, and it's just like watching the 100-meter with Usain Bolt, yeah, but sick. throw him on skates, and it's even faster. Uh, yes, please. <laughs> Make them race beside each other. Totally. Like, yeah, like everybody yeah, at the yeah, same like time. In, like yeah. track and field. I yeah. love Put that. them all in their line and go. Well, you I can even that. just do two guys. Like, uh, just have, like, the ice be two different colors. They each have their lane, and you can only stay in your lane. Go. Amazing. I think it's an incredible uh, idea. Amazing idea. And guys would, like, because guys aren't going to get hurt from exploding off the top with their first three strides. Yeah. They won't get hurt like that. They're going to get hurt from the corners. So I think that's, yeah. NHL. And if you're all in your own lane. Stay in yours. I'll totally. stay in mine. Yeah. We're not touching each other. Aaron, let's get an update from uh, from the park there because the the oily boys are having a um, a home run derby today. And Quads and I have talked about this. I I think I can crush every single oily boy uh, in a home run derby. Especially I, I heard the uh, right field's only three twenty, so I, I can yeah, put it over. I'm looking at it right now. Three twenty left field. Three forty. The oil boys are literally doing a podcast on home plate right now in front of me. Hell yeah! And so did anybody. <laughs> It, like, did anybody hit it out in the home run derby? Yes, our our loyal owner of the Nation Network, of course, Mr. Jay Downton. It probably took him 150 swings, <laughs> but he was going. We had kids in the outfield, like a baseball team. They're all shagging him down, the whole crew here. Jay, literally his hand, it was bleeding. <laughs> I had to go get tape for him, tape up his hand, and then I got him a glove and he's like, I only want the bottom hand. I only need the bottom hand. Yeah, it's true. And it took him, he probably hit the wall like five times. Yeah. And you could tell he was getting gassed. He was losing it. And I think the general morale was like, oh, he's probably not going to hit one today. And then, holy cow, we all like, oh, my God, is that actually going to go? Left field, I would say about 360. Probably just missed my giant video. Okay, board. what's going on with? I heard I've heard rumors of juiced balls, juiced bats. So you got to talk us through here because I when we we did this we did this at uh, Nat the Bailey. Cana- at Nat Bailey here where the Canadians play, and I I hit the warning track three thirty to the warning track or three thirty to the wall. So it was about three twenty, but I had like a wood bat and I was hitting off a pitching machine. So like I've heard about I've heard rumors of juiced baseballs and juiced bats over there, and Jay's telling me he can out hit me. Yeah, well, if we had access to juiced baseballs here in Edmonton, <laughs> our team would be better than like 8 and 24 that they are currently because I would be leading that charge. No juiced balls, but I did. One of the players is injured, so he's staying behind. So I called him today and I was like, hey, you got any cork bats or anything in there? Like, is that even a thing anymore? And he came and he brought me. It's metal and it's legal. Like, he plays Division One NCAA yeah. there. And it's the most legal, like, metal <laughs> – semi-corked bat that you could have. So I brought it to Jay. I don't know if he actually used it when he was hitting it because we had a million bats. It was like a hockey player just picking through sticks and it was, oh, it's right. the bat's problem. It's not me. It's not my problem. It's the bat's problem. Yeah. And then he eventually did. I will look into what bat he hit. Yeah. Okay. I, ha- I have the replays all I, here. I'd, t- I'll take, you know, I'll, I'd go up against downtown Jay in a home run derby. I, I, I would take my chances hey, there for sure. I'd feel did, good about c- it. Come down. I'm here. I organized the whole thing. I'm still in the press box. Yep. At we, the love, we love hitting right dingers out here. All right. Okay. I have one final Whatever thing. Well, I want to get the prospect rankings. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Okay. I remember we talked about Thank this. Thank you, Aaron. Oh, Thank you. Yeah. Aaron, pull up the graphic here. We've talked about this. Uh, so... Major League Baseball, what they do that we really like to see the NHL do, especially as we transition into prospect coverage here, Mm -hmm. they have a list that is changing every single week 
where I they put this, out yeah. the top 100 prospects affiliated with teams in Major League Baseball right now, along with their estimated time of arrival. We have the list here. Obviously, Ellie De La Cruz. A lot of people have just heard his name just by watching a sports highlight show. Uh, biggest name in baseball, I'd say, right now, especially for among rookies, hands down. Uh, you see names like Jackson Holiday, Matt Holiday, son on that list. I would love to see this for the NHL. And yes. obviously with the NHL, Connor Bedard would be at the top. Sure. But I would be interested to see who else is there. And we have no idea because some nobody does this. Like, nobody, nobody is doing this. And it would be really nice to see. Uh, you know, someone put out a list of the top affiliated prospects along with when they're going to come. Like, yeah, it's it's interesting if it's one person's opinion, but this is like a consolidated ranking from yeah. MLB pipeline, and this is something the that Major League Baseball themselves do. I would love to see the National Hockey League do this. I would love to see it. Yeah, the thing I like the most about this is the ETA. Like, that's that's just yeah. what I yeah. like. What are your thoughts, Aaron? Well, you see, like that's the thing you're talking about things that the MLB does that the NHL could replicate, like. We have so many cool prospects. Obviously, Connor Bedard's at the top of that list. We know he'd be there. It's fighting for second place. But, like, they do the young gun, like, the prospects game. They really market the young guys. Like, I knew who Ellie De La Cruz was before he even made it into the league. And then you see a guy come in. What, he has even played 50 games, and he's tearing it up. But he already kind of had some name value to his name. If the fact that I knew him up here in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada – so I like I like the list, and I just think that there's more they could do with prospects. Mm. Yeah, that's I don't know what, what that like. is. Is it lists? Is it a young guns game? Is it a young guys skills thing? That's above my pay grade, but I know what I want to see, and it's something like that. Hey, All you know right. what? Like uh, the All Star Week down in Seattle, they do it every year. The Futures game. Why not sure. do that? Those kids are hauling ass. Those kids are trying their hardest. Yeah. Right? I don't think you'd see kids who haven't made the show yet, or the league, excuse me, in the NHL. Yeah. You wouldn't see them dogging it like they do in the All-Star game with the pros, right? Like, I think you would see legitimate competition in that game, and I would love to see that. The top prospects from each thing, it's basically a bigger version of the Young Stars tournament, but it's the best of the best. You send your top guys, and you put together a team, Eastern Conference versus Western Conference. I would love to see that for NHL All-Star Week. That would be massively popular. Yeah. Um, all right. I want to get to the yeah. Canucks prospects Prospect here. rankings. Let's go. Uh, just want to make sure my video. Okay, there we go. She's to be connected now again. Uh, get me all caught up here. I'm watching it back now. It's it's tripping on me. Uh, but we are good. Uh, let's get to the, the Vancouver Canucks prospects. We're, we're working our way through the top 10 right now. Today I want to get from 10 to 6, and next week we'll spend some time talking about 5 to 1. Uh, let's get the board up here uh, there, Aaron. Let's see... Uh, so we got our, our top 10. Coming in at number 10, Hunter Brustevich. I do want to bring up the 57 points in the OHL last year. The right shot defenseman led all defensemen that were drafted this past year out of the OHL with 57 points. So expect him to get even more next year. And it'll be interesting to see him kind of battle with Kirill Kudryatsev as being some of the top scoring defensemen out of the OHL. So we're watching for that. Arshdi Baines comes in at number 9. Had a real good season in the AHL. We talk about him a lot. NHL talent here coming up with him. Cole McWard. I, I think this was the the strangest one for me in the top ten because it was like he there could be a lot of potential there. There could be a lot of really good things coming from Cole McWard in the future. There there might not be anything. He just happened to get into NHL games, but I do like the player. I like the size. I like the reach. There's a lot there with him. I think him developing in the AHL is a really good thing for what's going to happen with McWard. And then Lucas Forcell comes in at number seven. Obviously, he ripped it up, uh, 11 goals in the 35 SHL games, finished the season just on an absolute rip right now. So he comes in at number seven. And then Danila Klimovic. I wanted to have him in the top five, but he comes in at number six. I, I really think he has a chance to be a top three prospect by the time we do this rankings next time, and, and that'll be probably around the, the trade deadline, maybe maybe a little bit earlier than that, maybe post-World Juniors. We'll figure that out. Uh, but I want him to be a top three prospect. I just couldn't put him ahead of our top five. So you can probably guess a lot of a lot of people could guess the top five remaining. I won't uh, spit it out there, but enough people that follow this show or listen would be able to tell. Uh, both... And Jesse says Forcell could be even higher. Yeah, I think with Klimovich and Forcell, you could... I think they're at the point now where I wouldn't put them in the top five, but I do see a world where they can get into the top five pretty easily with a good start to the season, a uh, good run in the AHL and the SHL. Which one of this list were you a little bit most surprised by in the in the 10 to 6 range? 
I would say I was most surprised by Cole McWard, but I think you did a really good job. The article's up on CanucksArmy.com right now. I obviously read it before anybody else. Yeah. I think you did a really good job of explaining why he's where he's at. There's, I was surprised yeah, at first glance. But such a strong base there, and just watching him skate at development camp compared to the rest of the defensemen there, like... You know, you watch McWard and Brustevich skate beside each other. It's like, yeah, they're four years apart, right? So there's a lot of development that can happen for Brustevich. But I have to imagine McWard looked a lot worse than Brustevich back then. But he's developed so well over that time that I think that's the thing that's interesting with him is is he going to continue to develop at that type of pace? And if he does, that would be huge. So There are uh, so many – sorry for cutting you off. There are so many – projects down in Abbotsford now where the Canucks have Fun invested ones, yeah. all this money into the development staff. They've got their guys. They got Akito Hirose. They managed to get Cole McWard, Aiden McDonough, whatever. Like, there's a lot down there for them to now develop. No, no hot, super high-end talent, but can you develop these guys into being capable middle six wingers or, you know, bottom bottom pairing defensemen at the NHL level? Because that's a win. And if you can get an NHLer, no matter what role they have, you can get a consistent NHLer out of NCAA free agency, you have hit a home run. Yeah. And that's what the Canucks need to do. They need their development staff to kind of step up here. Yeah. All right. Let's get that graphic down. I have a, I didn't do my math correctly. Anything um, else? No. Uh, aside from that, let's get to our poll question and then let's get out oh, of here. shoot. Uh, okay. Poll question. Uh, odds and ends. We don't really have many odds or ends. I, I did want to bring up the, the Galchenyuk thing, but you already hit that off the top. So let's get our poll question up here. Brought to you by the great folks. At Atlas Goods, Atlas GDS, INC on Twitter. Uh, check them out. Use promo code CC15 to get 15% off your first order of pop rinds at atlasgds.com. The best pork rinds. You make it right out of your air fryer, and here's the best part. You make them in your air fryer in about two minutes. Two minutes. Or your microwave. Yeah, if you can count to 120, you can you can make pork rinds. Or the microwave, even easier. Even uh, if you can't count to 120. No, yeah, the, the microwave does that for you. Yeah, actually, it counts. Believe it or not. Uh, so which right shot... Defense prospect will play in more NHL games next season. Our options, Jet Wu, who's 22 years old, Cole McWard, who's 22 years old, or Philip Johansson, who's 23 years old. Our fourth option, I'm Angry Quads. Who's winning the poll? What are our results right now? 35.1% of voters say Cole McWard, 24.7% say Jet Wu, and 30% say Philip Johansson, 10.1% say they are angry. Great poll question by you. Cole McWard wins the poll. Yep. What do you think about? Is he the one who's going to play the most NHL games of these three? I voted Jet Wu. Hmm. Why? Because, and, and look, he got the fewest votes aside from I'm angry. Yeah. I voted Jet Wu because I thought he took huge strides last year in Abbotsford, and I think he's going to try to build on that la- on on that this year. You assume Christian Willannon's gone. Gone as in up with the NHL, yeah. right? The spot is there for Jet Wu to now be the, the guy down in Abbotsford on that blue line, right? Like, you have Jack Rathbone, yeah. I don't want to forget about Jack Rathbone, friend sure. of the show. But Jack Rathbone's going to try and make the NHL squad, right? Yeah. Jet Wu's probably not there yet, but he's going to pro- try and take a massive step. This is a guy that Ryan Johansson, Ryan Johnson, excuse me, wow. I was just talking about Ryan Johansson in an article about Galchenyuk. Yep. Who, he tr- got traded three weeks ago. Anyways. Um, wow, it's been a while. Yeah, Ryan Johnson. Uh said about of Jet Wu that this is a guy who's going to play NHL games, right? Yes. Like, he, he's probably going to get a shot in the NHL like He called it on the year. cusp of at the end last That's year. That's right. Didn't get an opportunity because of guys like Cole McWard coming in and Keto exactly. Rose and the NCAA deals who got the NHL games. If, if there would have been a call-up option, I think you would have seen Wu. But, so how many games? You picked Jet Wu. How many games would you think in the NHL season? The, the Canucks blue line is kind of loaded now. Not loaded with talent or anything, but it is loaded with bodies. (laughs) There are a lot of guys, so I don't think any of those guys are going to play many games. I just think Jet Wu's probably going to get the longest shot. He also eight, yeah, between eight and fifteen, between there. He can play the left and the right side. I I think Philip Johansson is probably the last. Like I would say, Cole McWard and Jet Wu are very close for me. Like I I would have those two very close. Philip Johansson's probably the last. Because I think he really needs to learn the North American style of game. Yes. I think that's the name of the game for him. And I wrote this in the expectations for each guy article. This is a good poll question because we just wrote about it. I wrote about it at Canucks Army. Um, and I tagged you in for the prospect stuff. But that's the thing is, is the name of the game for Johansson is learn the North American style of game and get comfortable. 
yeah, it's a very good example of what players are going to have to go through with Johansson, who was an excellent defenseman in the SHL last season, came over to the AHL and really was very ineffective uh, in those playoff games. And some of that could be from, listen, he played a long season in the SHL. He just played tough playoff games. I think a lot of it, and the bigger reason why he wasn't immediately successful, was different style of play, different style of breakouts, lots of different type of defending, man-on-man versus zone. Like These type of things are a huge adjustment to make. Um, I don't have Philip Johansson. I, I think you could make an argument on this poll question that Philip Johansson is currently the most talented defenseman out of Cole McWard and Jet Wu. But I don't. I do think he's the furthest away from being NHL ready of those three as well. So I voted Cole McWard. Because I do think that he's he's got a little bit more size and length, and I think that he's going to end up playing in more games. But the option right there, it was pretty tough for me and him and Jet Wu. Like, I, I do think between McWard and Wu, both are going to get some NHL games this season, depending on injuries. But, yeah, like, like Vince said, uh, Wu about 10 games. Like, yeah, I can see that being possible. I just, you mentioned the fact that Wu can play both sides. That's huge, I think. So it'll be interesting to see how that one plays out. I I personally think it's going to end up being McWard getting like eight games, Wu getting like four games, and then I don't think Philip Johansson will get an NHL game next year. So I was a little surprised to see how many people voted for him, but I think that's because a lot of people have been pretty excited, and Johansson's been a guy who's consistently been in our top ten uh, prospects list for over the past couple uh, of lists anyways, but he's graduated out of my list today. By the way, my list is is for players that are 22 and under, so everybody under the age of 23. So that's, by the way, just just so people know. All right. Anything else before we close it up? No, nothing uh, Nothing really. Excited to golf this weekend. You and I are golfing again this mm-hmm. weekend, so I'm excited for that. Uh, oh, yes. Look at my shirt. It is a cool shirt. It is a Charmander in a Michael Jordan uh, shirt for everyone on YouTube. My favorite Pokemon is? Charizard. Dragonite. It's not Charizard. That's basic. Dragonite's my favorite Pokemon. Oh, that's right. I knew that. That's why I have this. This is my favorite. my favorite Pokemon card. Yeah, it looks really good there. Yeah, it looks horrible on the green screen. <laughs> Dragonite, my favorite Pokemon. This is my favorite Pokemon card. Got it graded. All that good stuff. PSA or something like that. Yeah, PSA. All that fun stuff. I love I think Dragonite's the coolest Pokemon. Dragonite is a cool Pokemon. Okay, we'll close it out there. Yeah. Uh, everybody have a great weekend. For my co-host, Chris Faber, and our technical producer, Aaron Bordado. My name is Dave Gugelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Later. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim?